0: And welcome back to part two of this podcast on budgeting. I know we got involved in a really uh, intense discussion, and we're looking forward to continuing it today.
1: Well, I'm excited to get the chance to talk about it. And uh, like I said, uh, I'll I'll talk about it anytime, anywhere, to anyone. So uh, let's go on. I want to come back to
0: the revenue. I've seen this mistake a lot where... Uh, people try to do a bottoms up and they go to ask their department managers, what's your spend, right? What's your headcount plan? And the department managers lay that all out. And being you know good accountants, the CFO will divide, take their net targeted net income, divide their gross profit into that cost basis to come up with the revenue. And often this comes back to your context as well the revenue is greatly a variance at any historical norm they have performed at, but it matches kind of everybody's dreams of what they might want to run on an excessive budget side. How do you recommend companies build revenue budgets? Because as you said, if you get this one wrong, the rest of your budgeting is going to be wrong.
1: Well, you had mentioned the the term context before. I think you have to look at it in multiple contexts, uh, multiple comparisons. Uh, We look at Let's say for our new construction, uh, we look at the backlog. That's right. one. That's that's one picture. We also look at the acquisition rate of the most recent acquisition of new work. That's another comparison. We do look historically at what the numbers are, and so because it's such an important, we look at it in multiple dimensions to see if any of them are. In contrast to one another, and again, we saw this happen uh, not recently, but in the past uh, when things slowed down, we had a lot of backlog, and everybody was just walking around slapping each other in the back, fat and happy. But the we were eating through the backlog much faster than we were layering on the backlog, and so we knew we had the the slowdown was coming, and that eating through faster than we were adding was at a progressively Rapid rate, so we knew it was coming on fast. So I'm saying you have to look at it in multiple look in multiple dimensions when you come up with that revenue number. Uh, one of the things that we always like to do is we ask our salesmen, what are you going to sell next year?
0: Right. right. Why, I, it's amazing how many people want to assign quotas without ever asking their salespeople what they're actually going to achieve.
1: yeah, and this is where I put it into context. We do this every year, and the the our our VP of sales comes up with the sales budget. And every year they historically have exceeded it by about 20%. Nice. And now I'm not accusing them of sad magging, but I'm just saying, is there, w- there's enough history in there. So if I ask them what it is, and then I multiply that by 125%, you know, cause I, you know, and then I look at that compared to the run rate and compared to the backlog, that's just another point of context. I, I would yes. never I would never just use what the salesman told me because it can be there's, it can be wildly optimistic or wildly pessimistic. It's just another data point compared to compare to other data points. So on on this
0: single budget line, what I'm hearing you recommend is triangulate and, and check your work often against as many data points as you can.
1: Absolutely. And and we're going to talk about this more as we go on. But one of the things to keep the budget a living uh, tool, a workable tool, is you need to revisit your assumptions. And there, there's something called a critical assumption. And a critical assumption is what has to be true in real life to make that assumption valid. Well, that's what you're looking at Um after 90 days after 180 days how good were those assumptions you know you're looking at how valid they are and if if it was a valid assumption then you could probably keep going forward if it wasn't a valid assumption you may have to recalibrate
0: excellent excellent point let's move on down the next next second thing you said you had to get right is your gross profit or your gross yes. margin assumptions and um, I, you know, over the years, I've found that people are really good at Excel. They'll assume that they can just magically, you know, we'll work really hard. So our gross margin can increase from 23 to 24, from 32 to 33, or whatever the number is, five to six, it doesn't really matter. But they do some Excel magic to, to hit that gross margin number. And then when I talk to the operating managers, they give me a long list of initiatives that they're going to put in place. And, and uh, so one of the things I found is that Rarely do the initiatives actually line up to the intended or desired result on that Excel spreadsheet. So when you have su- what suggestions do you have in modeling out initiatives versus the P&L or the, mm-hmm. the budget line to make sure that those are, are actionable um, uh, initiatives that drive the result you're intending to hit?
1: I think it's kind of what we talked about a little bit before is – what has to be true? What 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 has to be true in reality to validate that assumption? I mean, it's real easy to say. Well, I'm going to move my gross margin up a couple of points, and by golly, we're going to do better next year. We're going we're going to do it. And 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 I always challenge the assumptions. Okay, let's just use gross margin. Gross margins is a lot of assumptions. Are you going to be more productive on your labor? Right. Is your materials like? I think most everybody would agree materials prices have been hammering us. So. Right. If you, to me, if you assume that materials as a percentage of sales is going to be less in the coming year, I want to know why that's true. Uh, You know, are you using another product line? You're using another vendor? Why is that true? And I think that when you look at gross margin, that is one number, but it's made up of direct labor, direct materials, and, and depending if you have subcontracts, you've got to tell me what's going to happen different that those assumptions are going to get better.
0: And I think you have to get a lot more precise than slogans like buy better. Yeah, absolutely. Reduce, reduce overtime, right? Those kind uh, yeah. of tired uh, um, justifications, because if, if you don't manage your business differently, the results are not going to be different, no matter how much slogans you have on top
1: of your gross margin assumptions. I, I think that's that's sage advice. One of the things that, that we look at and we monitor is our level of overtime, and as hard as it is to get people, we we run more overtime than maybe that we than we desire. Well, when you're running overtime, that challenges your direct labor cost and your bid assumptions. And and yeah. I would challenge people to say, you know, okay, if it whatever the overtime rate is, you know, how much extra overtime, what does that do to your average rate? And, and I would also challenge them like when you're building your budget, look at your average run rate. Don't look at what you, your bid rate that we're bidding X dollars per hour. No. What is your run rate and your run rate is going to be much higher. At least it is for us because recently we've had to build a lot of overtime into that just to get the jobs done.
0: Great point. Um that's an awesome point moving on to the fixed costs and you said this earlier fixed costs are the easiest thing to budget because typically <laughs> their run rate they're 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 long you know their're known trends right i know what i'm right. for my my leases i know what i'm paying for vehicle maintenance these are long trends they're fairly easy but on top of that idea you still have to estimate them and budget them correctly, but you, you suggested another idea I like, which is a safety margin when it comes mm-hmm. to fixed costs. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by a safety margin?
1: Sure. Um, you're going to make some assumptions. You're going to assume a certain revenue times a certain gross margin percentage is going to give you certain gross margin dollars. The revenue margin says those gross margin dollars have got to be greater than your estimated fixed cost. Yep. because what you don't want to have a situation is where you may, you know you you underperform or your your assumption on revenue is 10% off so you're only going to get 90% of your revenue but 90% of your revenue times your gross profit percentage or your gross margin percentage is not going to have enough gross margin dollars to cover that fixed cost and that that piece in between is saying okay if this revenue times this gross margin percentage is these dollars i need a cushion between those and the hard dollars it takes to keep the business going and on that on that margin you also part of that is also about timing if you have any large jobs you might have some big draws that hang out there that eventually you're going to get paid but if if you know you still got to pay your rent and your people each month and so you need some cushion in there so you know it, it, it it's, uh it's for that that safety margin is is to cushion you against bad assumptions, but it's also to cushion you against timing, because uh, as we know, revenue is not cash flow, and the timing is 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 critical uh, i I've, I've never had a, an employee agree uh, not to get paid this week because we didn't get we our accounts receivable didn't come in.
0: They're usually not happy to participate in that.
1: Campaign. No, no, that's, that's, just wanna, that, that's just not
0: something they want to. That's
1: just not something they want to play.
0: By the way, when we say employees, that includes me. I don't want to do that either.
1: So no, absolutely not. <laughs> I think both of us are in the same boat.
0: Uh, so we hit on this earlier, but I want to come back to it. Any guidelines that you might provide our audience on the best practices of using the budget tool throughout the year, as opposed to just doing a budget and putting it on the shelf.
1: Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, that one of the things that we talked about is these assumptions um, are built on different data points. As those data points come in, you need to examine them and say, "Okay, I assume. Let's just say revenue. I assumed that my revenue was based on an acquisition rate of new business at X dollars over the next ninety days. Well, ninety days are going to come and go. Was that a good assumption? And is that assumption?" If it was underwhelming, if I multiply that times four, how much am I going to miss my budget by year end? If it was overwhelming, and you know am I going to be in a crunch because I don't have enough people because I built my I built my my budget on too low of assumption, but you're going to get data in and and the importance of it is that you're constantly comparing that data to what assumptions you made and and I even say. You need like and, and we do within our company is uh we have a regular uh come to God meeting where we compare what we said we were going to do with what we did, and, and, and that come to God meeting is not a year in. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's too late. You should yeah, it, it's too late. You should do a, t- you know, you should do kind of like an overview after the first quarter, but you should have a serious meeting and and with all the uh profit center managers at the mid-year point, and each one is going to own up to either I got it right or I didn't. And more importantly at that mid-year is based on whether I got it right or I didn't get it right, what difference is my behavior going to show? If I got it right, am I going to accelerate something? If I didn't get it right, am I going to change something? But it's not just about, hey, who was right and who was wrong? No, it's what are we going to do based on getting this feedback? That's the whole thing about we talked about earlier about being agile, and be able to pivot. Uh, that's the difference uh, between data and information. Data is a lot of numbers. But if that data would change your your behavior, that's information. And we want to get this information.
0: I don't know if you uh, do this or not. One of the tips that are tricks that I've used for the last 30 years is I always compare my Q1 results to the prior two or three year Q1 results. Because I found in the construction business, if I have a slow Q1, I'm going to have a slow year. And if I have a big Q1, I'm going to have a big year. And so against the budget assumption uh, and against prior years, that is a decision point for me in every company that I've run in a construction-based industry. And it's been wrong a couple of times, but mostly that quarter that one quarter result is a pivot point because you still have time in the year to adjust, scale up, scale down, but do something about it. So I love what
1: you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and that's um, the point that I was trying to say is you can't just say, we're going to look at the budget you need to schedule meetings. You're going to, you right. know, and but before the year starts, say, uh, you know, by, by April 15th, we're going to have a meeting. We're all going to talk about the first quarter. And, and uh, by July 15th, we're going to have another meeting. But I mean, you got to put these on the calendar.
0: You, yeah, absolutely right. having the CEO or the CFO look at those numbers is almost as useless as not looking at them without, <laughs> the, without the participation of the, of the line management making changes.
1: Absolutely. The, the, the CEO and the CFO, they can, they can tell you where the ship needs to go and add a head on the horizon, but you better have somebody back on the rudder that knows what's, doing, what's actually happening.
0: I love it. That's true. Well, uh, to close out today, what would be one key takeaway that you would want people to leave this uh, podcast thinking about?
1: I, there's a, an, an old acronym. And, I, and it may be cliche, but it's very important. And they say when you do goals, they need to be smart. And it's the same thing with your budget. And the SMART is the acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time centered. And when you put your budget together, that's so, you know, it's got to be specific. You're, you're not just drawing broad brushstokes, it has to be measurable. You've got to hold people accountable for what they say they're going to do it has to be achievable a pie in the sky budget or a sandbag budget both of them are worthless you need a realistic budget and time sensitive you're going to say things are going to happen and not that the year may not all unfold in the same way there may be some seasonality or there may be some big jobs well if there are you got to put those those time sensitive uh, milestones down and then own up to whether you met them or not So again, if I had, if they walked away today and they said, well, I'm going to go out and one, I'm going to do a budget and two, it's going to be a smart budget and I'm going to get three assumptions, right. Then I think we'll have accomplished our goal today. I would love to see every person
0: listening to this, every member company listening to this podcast apply that level. We would, we would be, (laughs) we would run a better industry.
1: uh, Uh, Absolutely. And, and what, what I can tell everybody out there, um, this is an iterative process. Uh, nobody gets it right. We just keep after it and we get a little bit better each time. And uh, my company, like everyone else's, still has a lot to learn, but we hope we get better each, each turn of the crank.
0: I really appreciate you joining me today, Eric, and sharing the wisdom of, I mean, looking at us, they can tell it's been a lot of years, but sharing the wisdom of many years uh, with, uh, with our audience and helping them maybe avoid some of the pitfalls that we've made over our own years. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.